Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. All right. Hello again. <clears throat> it's great to be back with you all. Uh, probably in February, <clears throat> my wife came to me and she said, I, you know, it's been a long period. Uh, it's been a challenging time pastoring through a pandemic. I think it'd be wise if we took some extended time away. And so I went to the elders and, and kind of shared that. And they're like, that sounds like a great idea. How can we help you make this happen? And so we agreed to do, just basically take the month of July off and went to staff. And I have just amazing group of elders, amazing group of staff that enabled us to do that. Uh, we divided our time in half. We were half of the time we were gone. We were in California, which is where I grew up and where Anne grew up. And uh, our family, my parents are there. Her dad is there. My two sisters and her, her sister are there. And so we spent uh, a chunk of time there. And that was great. Uh, but as we all know, we love our families, but it's nice to, to have vacation without our extended families. And so the four of us actually took a trip to Costa Rica, which is where Anne lived uh, when she was in college for a semester. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I have a picture to show you of one of the places we were at, absolutely beautiful spot overlooking this, this lake. And in the background that you can't see, it was a volcano. Um, and that was one of the three areas of, of uh, Costa Rica we spent time in. Um, we traveled around through the country. Um, it was an amazing time. So thank you for uh, being able to get away. It was, it was absolutely amazing. Um, it took me a little while to stop thinking about you all, but eventually that happened. So that was, that was the point of it all. Um, so it, uh, it was good. We, we, it's been a long time since Ann and I haven't sat down and had a conversation about Washington Church or the people of Washington. And so probably for about 10 days that didn't happen, which, which probably hasn't happened in 17 years um, of life. So it was good. So I appreciated being away. I'm so grateful for those who came and shared while I was gone. Um, Bishop Chris uh, and then Mike um, and then Vic and then, uh, then Jacintha. And I, I went through and listened to all those messages this week, getting ready for this Sunday. Um, and I was just incredibly blessed. Um, each one has a different voice and a different way of, of communicating. Um, and uh, if you missed them, I would encourage you to go online. You can listen to them. They're on the podcast, Washington Church Toledo. Wherever you listen to podcasts, they're available, um, and a great thing. I still have the Encounter Night to listen to, and I've kind of saved that because I came back, and the staff was like, you need to listen to this, and so that'll be Tuesday morning as I'm walking over the library. I'll, I'll start listening to Ellie and, and what she um, had to share with us. Um, so glad to be back. Uh, we're in a series right now on uh, the kingdom of God. And if you're new to Washington Church or, or you've come since I've, I've left, um, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I look forward to meeting you. Um, and maybe this afternoon at lunch, we can hang out with each other. And I would encourage each of you to, to grab a place to go to lunch. You've got to eat lunch anyway. Um, might as well fellowship with others. Uh, but we're in a, a series on the kingdom of God. And we're going to do that uh, through August, and then we're going to shift gears, or we're going to start something new that we came up with as a staff, um, as our main theme, and I'll introduce that maybe on a couple Sundays to let you know what's going to be going on in the fall and how that's going to be going on. But um, one of the greatest things that we do in our spiritual life is readying ourselves to receive what God has for us. 
That's part of the great work that we have, are asked to do, right? When we uh, accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, um, uh, that is only the beginning. That is not the end point. That is where things begin to get really exciting and fun. And a part of that is there's work that we do daily on our own, prayer time with the Lord, obviously being in God's Word, vitally and important. But one of the crucial things that we need to do is to make ourselves ready to receive what God has for us. And that's not always an easy thing. And sometimes that's a scary and very vulnerable thing to do. But it's important. And this is not about proximity, because God is always with us and always near to us. So it's about cultivating awareness and an openness to receive what God has for us. But are we open and willing to receive? Because the foundation of everything is love. It begins and ends in love because it's from God, and God is love. And so everything surrounds and focuses itself on that. But there's awareness um, of this great, what some say, the great mystery. And philosophers call this great mystery truth. Other faith traditions call it enlightenment, but Jesus called it the kingdom of God. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. But as Jesus taught on the kingdom of God, and that was the main thing he taught on, if you go back and you look and you study uh, the life of Christ, his main theme that he taught on over and over again was the kingdom of God. But he did it in really strange ways for us. He taught in methods that are not normal for us as Westerners. And so this morning we're going to look at parables. We're going to look at how Jesus taught in parables. And parables are, as a teacher... Parables are probably the most fascinating method of communication that I've ever come across. Because here's what parables do. Parables challenge the listener to come to their own truth in a process. See, this is one of the things I've learned with walking with people. If, if, especially if you're wrestling through something or trying to figure out what God has for you, Oftentimes, people will come to me on a regular basis seeking wisdom, seeking counsel, but really seeking answers. And I do the best that I can to not give people answers. Why? Because if I just told you, it wouldn't be yours. Unless you come to it on your own, you do not own it. It's just words out there that you can take or, or leave behind. But if you are led through a process where you have to come to a deeper truth on your own and, and are faced with that truth and a choice to be made from that truth that you hear, you either reject that truth or you receive that truth. But if you receive that truth, it will change you forever on a deep, intimate, powerful level. That's what Jesus did when he taught. If you watch, people come to him all the time and say, you know, they acknowledge him as a master teacher, they they acknowledge him as a rabbi, and they would say, good teacher or rabbi, what should I do in this situation? And he never says, do this, does he? No. He says, there was a man who bought a vineyard. Or he says, there was a man plowing in a field who found a treasure. Or he says, there was a man who built bigger barns. That's how he answers people's questions. And I can tell you, it is super frustrating as a Westerner. Because that's not how we function, is it? The, the Western way of functioning is simply this. 
There's some sort of, of person who has some sort of education or experience that allows them to be upfront in some way. And so we, we acknowledge that they're to be upfront, whether they're like a pastor in, in a church or a professor in a classroom or a teacher in, in an elementary, or junior high, or high school. And that person is the authority. And the authority stands before others, and they simply share what they know, and they pass along information, and usually that's with data points or convincing terms or some form of that, right? And then the way that you acknowledge that you understand it is you regurgitate what the authority said to you. And that shows that you understand the information, which is not true. All that means is you have a really good short-term memory, right? That is not how the Eastern faith traditions or the, or the East in general communicates. The East communicates in stories, riddles, parables. Rabbis would walk along and they'd say, to what can be compared this thing? That's what Jesus does, right? He says, to what do we compare the kingdom of God? Or the kingdom of God is like, is another way of saying it, depending on if you have the King James Version or you have the NIV or NAS or, or NLT or whatever it is. And he'll point to a rock. Or I'm sure when he tells a story in John about a vineyard, you can bet Jesus was walking through a vineyard, stops and he turns and he looks at it and he says to his disciples, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And they're like staring right there in full time. This is how they, that's, this is how they teach. Let me give you an example. If I wanted to communicate that unhealthy parents who don't parent their children well most likely will have kids that don't turn out very well, right? We can probably all say, yeah, that's probably true for the most part. This, this is an example. In the West, I'd say something like this. Children who are raised by parents who are themselves undisciplined, disrespectful, teach poor values, or no values at all will struggle and often end up making poor decisions themselves. And you'd say, yeah. This is what the East would say. If you're in Eastern classroom, it would say this. If the mother chews garlic and the father eats onions, the child will have bad breath. <laughs> Do you see what I did? I said the same thing two different ways. But the second way, I painted a picture that allowed you to join into that. That's what Jesus brilliantly does when he teaches. And that's what parables do. But parables for us are very offensive, or can be, because they're frustrating. When you study the, the words of Jesus and, and you go through and you do the best, we, we should be doing the best we can to really mine it, but our mindset is coming from a different place. It's coming from a Platonic Western mentality. Um, and that's just not where Jesus is teaching from. And so we really have to kind of back up and reorient how we understand and how we see. And so as he teaches in parables, they have this open-ended, unending answer to a question. The other thing that's really profound and powerful is a parable has many, many truths laced into the story for us to dig in mind. Not one. I remember this in, in college. I went to a conservative Baptist college. I remember sitting in a, in a gospels class. We were talking about parables once. And the professor wrote on the board, um, parables have one truth and one meaning. And then he ascribed the, uh, the German theologian at the time, and the, and the quote came from 19, I think, 12 or something like that. 
And, uh, and so it was like, oh, interesting, okay, one. So then, you know, your goal is to, well, what is that one truth? And once you find that one truth, it's kind of like, well, scrap the parable, I found the one truth, and it, we can recycle it um, for another day. I remember sitting in seminary class, talking about parables, and the professor literally writes the exact same quote up on the board. Parables have one truth, and, and one truth only, ascribed by the same German theologian. Again, from 1912, and he goes, this is a rather recent understanding of parables, which I don't ascribe to or encourage you to take in. Because from a theological point of view, we're talking like the time of Jesus all the way to, to now, and 1912 is modern and recent. And so essentially what they're saying is back in the day, the Jewish people had this understanding what Jesus was teaching of something, something called 70 faces. And it was an, a way of understanding the text. They said the text has 70 faces, and they, they said it was like a diamond. And you were to read it and then turn it and read it and turn it and read it and turn it. And there was all these different ways of looking at it because if the Word of God is living and active, it's constantly reading us and transforming us into who we are to be. So as we grow and mature at different points of life, if I read a parable as a single man, I would get something different out of it than if I read a parable as a father of two children. Does that make sense? Okay. That doesn't mean that there's any less more truth the first time or the second time. It just means that the Word of God being living and active is constantly something to be coming back to because we will never mind the end of it. All right? You with me? Does that make sense? So this is what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to say a couple more things, and then it makes absolutely no sense for me to tell you about the parables, does it, in light of my introduction. And so I'm going to give the parables to you, and you are going to read them in groups, and you're going to wrestle through them together, and you're going to have some time to do that. And then we're going to pass the mic around, and you all are going to teach the rest of the message this morning, okay? So again, if you're visiting with Lucius family visitors, welcome to Washington Church. We do things a little bit differently here, and that's okay, and that's good. Um, but it would be silly. I could give you all kinds of historical information and, and make those parables come to life, but you won't own them in the same way as if you wrestle with them, and so that's what you guys are going to do this morning. We're going to look at three different parables, and you're each going to wrestle with them. But here's the kicker. Jesus even says, not everybody gets it. Let me read you a passage from Matthew chapter 11. This is Jesus speaking, verse 25 and 26. He says this, At that time Jesus said, and this is like right before most of the parables. Most of the parables are in Matthew 13, which we're going to look at. And this is leading up to that. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. So you will not get and understand the parables of Jesus because you are wise or because you are educated. It doesn't work that way. And sometimes, sometimes it's not helpful to have an understanding of the scriptures in the way you have them. Because sometimes our understanding of the scriptures will help us from seeing truth in other scriptures, if that makes sense. But again, Important for us to be in, in the Word of God. But what he says is the kids get it. And he didn't just mean that only those under the age of 12 have an understanding. Because when you're 12 or 13, that's when you are considered an adult in the Jewish tradition with the men and the women. And the bar mitzvah and the bar mitzvah. That's a long historical thing that goes back for forever. But what he's saying is, if you come at it like a child, you'll get it. 
But if you come at it any other way, doesn't matter if you're wise, doesn't matter if you're intelligent, you're going to miss it. And so this morning, I want to invite us to take that posture of, of childlike faith, of openness, of saying, let me look at this without the baggage of my life, if I can. And that's really hard to do. Or let me look at this without the preconceived notions of other things. But let me just look at these words and see what they are and see and ask the Spirit of God to teach me or enlighten me about this truth that God spoke to me through the words of Jesus. That's what I want to invite us to do this morning and take a posture of that. Because again, as I said, not everybody understands. And these parables, again are not only challenging or offensive to us because the kingdom of God is in direct opposition to the kingdom of this world. And so when Jesus' wisdom words or his parables teach us about the kingdom, they're going to come against things that we find comfort in, things that we have pointed our focus on, things that we have looked to for fulfillment when we should not have looked to those things for fulfillment. And when Jesus invites us to see the kingdom of God and recognize the truth, oftentimes he's inviting us to tear down some of those walls because we're not going to get it unless we are willing to surrender some of those other things that we've held on to that maybe we should not, should not have been holding on to. And another spiritual truth is this. Once you recognize and are taught spiritual truth and you've received it, you are held accountable for it. And I think this is another grace of God as to why not everybody gets it in that way. Because God knows, it's, it's just as Jesus said, you don't cast pearls before swine. So why would God give something to somebody who's not going to receive it or do anything with it? And so that's, that's why. Because as a teacher, I'm like, man, Jesus, why can't you just open everybody's eyes and open everybody's heart and have them all get it? Because that's what you want at the heart of all things. You want everybody to be in a relationship with you. But God loves us enough to give us free will in that way. And loves us enough to allow us to go through our own process, which oftentimes means hurts and hardships and mistakes that we make. But again, there's always forgiveness in that way. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at these um, challenging, truthful, beautiful words of Jesus. So we're going to look at three parables. I'm going to put them up on the screen. I'll leave this up here for you guys. And I'm going to give, ushers are going to uh, give a handout. We're going to look at uh, Matthew 13. All of these are from Matthew 13. And I intentionally chose shorter parables. So let's do this, ushers, before you pass them out. Just wait a, wait, wait a sec. I intentionally chose shorter parables. On the back of the sheet that you're about to get is a list of almost all the parables that talk about the kingdom of God for you to do your own work after this Sunday. First is, is the parable of the mustard seed. Okay, many of you have probably heard that. Those two sections are going to do the parable of the mustard seed because it's longer and more extensive. The second is uh, the parable of the yeast and the dough. This section over here is going to do it because my resident bread maker is sitting around here somewhere. There he is, Daniel K. George. And so he's going to enlighten the rest of this section about yeast and what yeast does in bread. Um, so make sure the yeast one goes over here, ushers. That's Miranda. Okay, Miranda's got that one. And then the final one is the pearl of great price. Um, we'll have this section do the pearl of great price. And, uh, and what you're going to do is I'm going to give you some time. Um, you're going to have, hopefully you have your Bibles, um, but you'll have a, a piece of the scripture. Also on that piece of paper is a little bit of a historical understanding because if all we do is read our own culture into this parable, we're going to miss out on some of the things. 
And so my goal was not to tell you the answer. It was to give you enough historical information. But then we're going to have a time where we're going to pass the mic around and you guys are going to share what, uh, what you learned from this in your groups, in your time together, in your wrestling together um, as, as community of faith. And so I would encourage you to get into groups of four, five, six. Uh, you might have to turn around, face each other, scooch together, spend some time reading the parable itself. And at the end of the day, each of you, all the sections are going to share about what you learned, but also ultimately it is, what does this parable teach you about the kingdom of God in your life? Because if we don't apply these things to our life, then what's the point of them? And that's the direct thing that Jesus wanted to see happen is for people's lives to be changed from the truth that he was telling, okay? Any questions on what we're going to do before we jump into this? Perfect. You all got it? Brilliant. All right. That's right. Receive. Receive what the Lord has for you. So go ahead. Uh, move around if you need to. Um, if anybody didn't get a piece of paper, raise your hand, and the ushers will keep passing them around. We'll make sure that everybody gets one. Spend time together wrestling through these passages, and then we'll come back and debrief. All right, I'm going to bring us back together. Um, it would probably be helpful if we had way more time, but here, here's, here's the good news. You can talk about this at lunch today, all right? Okay, so we're going to, uh, we still need to take communion, and uh, we want to get out of here. Um, so we're going to just give an opportunity to share. We have two people with microphones. Shannon's going to be on this side. Jeff's going to be on that side. Uh, we just want to hear from a couple people from each group. Um, what, is, what is kind of your takeaway? What did you learn? And, but also, um, how are you going to apply this truth about the kingdom of God to your life? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. It's really, it's really fun to engage in God's word and learn something new. But if it doesn't begin to permeate through past that level, then not a lot of transformation is taking place. And so we want it to get down into the core of our being because um, we want to take God's word into us. Okay, so we'll start with, what did you guys have? The mustard seed. Who else had the mustard seed? You guys had, okay, so this section right here. So we'll go back and forth. Let's start with the mustard seed. Um, share with us. Well, why don't we have somebody read it? We'll start with that from if somebody would be willing to stand and read it and then share some, some, some thoughts that came forward in your groups. And we'll pass the mic around a little bit. Okay, Matthew 13, 31. So he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it's grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can come and make nests in its branches. Okay. So let's, let's hear from these two groups. What are some insights that you glean from reflecting just briefly on this, on this parable about the kingdom of God? So we first noticed that he plants the seed in his own field. Uh, from the context, it talks about how mustard seeds are seen as a negative thing because they take over and they completely take out what, what is... Uh, what else is in the field? So he doesn't go in someone else's field and shares it with them. He puts it in his own field. Good. Um, so we had a couple different thoughts. The first of which is that uh, we notice at the end of the parable that birds come and perch. And so the tree is now being seen by, we'll mm. call it others, and yeah. they're coming and, and experiencing the kingdom. 
And then I had this weird thought. So my kids read Usborn books, and in the stories uh, and that we read about, it talks about how birds eat seeds and then poop elsewhere and plant seeds elsewhere. And so I, I had the idea that now the kingdom can be spread because these birds have come, and they get to, to litter the kingdom elsewhere. There you um, go. But then more on a personal level, um, I was talking about how, like, as I read this, I was thinking, like, what about my field? Like, am I allowing an invasive seed to take place because I think often I can be one of the farmers that's like, no, I don't want that seed in my field because with an invasive plant, now I don't have control. Now I don't have the ability to determine what the outcome is going to be. That's good. um, And do, am I okay with that? Am I allowed, am I willing to allow the spirit to just, as it says here, not be stopped or contained in my life? Yeah. No, that's good, Jason. It's good. There you go. Truth's coming out. Go to lunch with Jason. All right. Okay, what else? Some other, some other uh, people want to share? I'd like to say that um, a seed is a seed. I've got a, I've got a bottle of mustard seeds in my cupboard, and it isn't growing. But the important thing is what it's planted in in the mm. soil, and we're that. And that's, yeah. otherwise, it's just a seed. Yes, good. Good, Susan. Amen. Okay, a couple, couple from this section, then we'll move on to the next parable. What are some truths that came out for you guys about the mustard seed? Yeah, this, uh, this is a really familiar parable. So when we see familiar parables, it's a challenge to, like, unfamiliarize yourself yeah. with it. Good. And so I was like the birds. That's a, that seems like a curveball that a guy would plant something. It was kind of beating the same point. But um, the parable sounds like it's going to be, so the mustard grew and grew, and let's get more mustard that, like, takes over. But... To have to plant a seed just for some birds to come in is a total curveball, I think, in this mm-hmm. parable, and should like would have made the listener stop and think about that. Um, that maybe some people outside our culture are going to have to come in and enjoy this mm. um, goodness that's going to be growing. Yeah, good. Thanks, Jay. One more before we move on to the next. Um, we were kind of struck by the fact that like enemies use it to invade, and I think that the Satan can you often use our faith or different parts of fake faith, if you will, to like influence us in certain ways and like attacks. I mean, he believes in God, like he knows the power of God, so he can use that to his advantage. And mm. I thought it just struck me like an enemy can use our faith. Mm in different ways. Against us in a way? Yes, in a negative way. Okay, good. All right, let's shift gears to the next. Let's look at the the pearl of great price. Is that what you guys had over here? Yeah? Okay, if somebody would be willing to to read that parable about the pearl of great price and then share, a couple people share um, what came forward in that for you guys. You guys both had it. Okay, perfect. Go ahead, Andrew. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Okay. What are some insights that came forward in, in your discussions about, about this pearl of great price? Yeah, right here. Let's hear it. This is what we prayed for, Adrena. All right. Wisdom and insight. So I, um, 
Um, the, uh, <laughs> the Martians are us and the And the pearl is God. Yeah. There you go. Very good. Love it. Thank you. So, yeah, we were, um, that was coming up a lot for, I think, all three. I was in, like, three groups here. Um, but going back to your comment about the 70 faces of Scripture, and, you know, I was trying to look for something else, and um, I can't, I keep seeing in these Scriptures, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. Okay, so actually, we always say, oh, the kingdom of heaven is like the, is the pearl, and we are the merchant. But actually, the scripture is saying the kingdom of heaven, Jesus, is the merchant. Hmm. And so it kind of flips it. You know, we are the pearl, and he's kind of predicting his, the fact that he's going to give everything for us. Wow. And, and that keeps going throughout. The kingdom of heaven is like, you know, earlier, the treasure. The kingdom of heaven is... You know, there's a few examples, but the kingdom of heaven is the treasure. The kingdom of heaven, mm. you know, and we are the one. Yeah, well, that doesn't work with the pearl. Never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I had it, but then I, no, yeah. It's good. It. It's good. It's good. One more. Then we'll move on to the yeast and the dough. Um, I just thought it, well, our group thought it was really cool. Um, well, one, that he was searching. I think that was big. You know, he's, he's yeah. on this. He's yes. trying to, he's looking for something. Yeah. It also, I mean, he's a merchant, so he probably has other wealth, other jewels, other pearls probably right. in his possession. Um, but he finds one that's worth it all. Yeah. Um, so I think our, our other big thing was like, why did no one else buy it? If other people are seeing this pearl, it's on display, right? Someone's selling yeah. it. So yeah. um, I think we came away with like, we have to have eyes to see the worth of the kingdom and the worth that it mm. is worth everything else yeah. because how many merchants, how many other merchants walked by and bought the $20,000 pearl and kept their life in their car, in their house and didn't want that one because that would have been, you know, it's like, I'll take, I'll take both. Yeah. I'll take a uh, pearl and my house and yeah. everything. Yeah. No, Why would good. I just go after that pearl and have nothing left? Yeah. That's good. And then if you take that over the lens of what Kate shared, right. to basically say that God risked everything for us, that's another way, really powerful, Seriously. that we're worth it. Yeah. Good. Okay, yeast. Right here. You guys had uh, the yeast in the dough. If somebody would read that parable and then share just a couple of your insights that came forward in that one. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Okay. Good. Thanks, Todd. Okay, a couple of people want to share. So what I took out of it was that the yeast would be, if you think about back in the disciples, the 12 disciples, yeah. we're all the yeast, we can speak the word of God. Mm. And the, the dough would be the population at that time. So 12 people, you know, made what we have. Yeah, and good. That's a great insight. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, 
before we give it to Daniel. Anybody else want to <laughs> share with us? Any insights that came forward? I was actually in this group um, talking, and I, I actually do um, a little bit of bread making as well um, with Daniel. Yeast is a very interesting little thing because um, it's actually a living organism, and so it needs things to work. It needs, like you mentioned, heat, a warm liquid. It needs sugar to feed on, um, and, it, and it multiplies itself. Um, but on top of that, yeast is very interesting in that it doesn't matter how much you have that you put into bread, eventually it's going to do its job. So if you don't have enough yeast, you just need more time to mm. let the yeast do its work. Mm. Um, so we were talking about how you know, if, if an evangelist or somebody is working in a community, even one person can make an, a difference in that community. It just might take more time. Yeah. Whereas if you put two, three, four, 50 people in the community, it could start working faster within that community. Yeah, good, good. Daniel, anything else? Um, yeah, I kind of like what Jeff said, very much like the seed. Um, you know, you have, it's not gonna do anything you know, by itself. The yeast is, is inactive and it'll just rest. Um, until you give it an environment where it can grow and mature. Um, and it also, the, the, the woman, you know, you mentioned in your notes that, you know, the, it's, this amount of flour is just a huge amount. I mean, 60 pounds of flour. No, six, 60 pounds of flour is, and he said it's it's enough for like 150 loaves of bread. So that's and that's an just more than anyone would would need to make it. So it's a parable of extravagance, um, but also just to work yeast into that much dough that takes effort, that takes work on the part of the woman who's doing it. And so, um, you know, I think back to you know. Paul talking, like, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like, it takes effort on our part mm. to be a part of the kingdom of God. Mm. But then once, once you do that work, you let that dough, you put that dough aside and you rest and you trust mm. that that yeast is going to yeah. work and do its job. It's good. So. Can we all take in the truth that we heard this morning? It's good. It's good stuff. Uh, as we come to the table this morning to take communion together, as we kind of wrap things up, um, how fitting that we have bread here to, to look at. I love how God uses very tangible things to teach us things. And that's what that Jesus did, does. Um, as he gathers with his disciples at this meal, the Seder meal together, he, at some point he took bread and, and broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And what he did is he, he, he connected himself with this item, literally just like we were talking about, the very Eastern way of teaching and so that every time they would break bread together in honor of this Passover of, of God taking them out of Egypt, they are now reorienting their compass to realize that, no, it's Jesus who's saving them from sin. And he said, um, whenever you gather, this is my body broken for you. 
And likewise, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And so as we have a relationship with Jesus, let us be reminded this morning that we are forgiven and made right through that relationship. And if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, any and always, God is inviting us and beckoning us into relationship with himself, simply by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, asking for forgiveness of sins. And so as we come to the table this morning, let us be reminded of the truth of who Jesus is, but also the truth of his teaching and his word. So what I want to do is, is Bridget plays. I want to invite you to come with your group that you were just with, that you talked with, that you studied with, that you'd wrestled with, and, and go together to the table, take the, the body and the blood together and serve one another. So when you're ready, um, come, for all things are made ready and well. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.